Discovering Our Choices by Paul Bucknell. Why do believers end up with a mediocre and dull Christian life rather than being Christ-filled? Why not take a step ahead in your spiritual growth? This is part of our Reaching Beyond Mediocrity series produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net, releasing God's truth to a new generation. Our second session is on discovering our choices. Discovering our choices. Remember, we're part of reaching beyond mediocrity, not just the average, but that full picture of what God wants for our lives. And when we're talking about discovering our choices, we're thinking about that particular, how we make choices in our own life makes a key difference in what happens in our life. How would Satan want us to make a decision? He would want us to make the wrong decision. How does God want to make a decision? He wants us to make the right decision. So what we want to do here is look a little more into this whole aspect. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes again to the power of your word that we can live godly lives before you. We have so much to learn and we need discernment. Would you give us discernment right now, Lord? We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we talked about the three stages. Discovering love, establishing hope, and strengthening faith. Now our need here is to establish hope. Now hope, especially we're looking for hope in the areas that we have most difficulty with. And I wonder if all of a sudden, the two or three most difficult things we have in our life to deal with Maybe it's a relationship with our parents. Maybe it's our internal struggle with uh, despair. Whatever they are, maybe I'm hooked on porn. Whatever, what if they were soft? Okay. This is where we're trying to bring you. And you don't really have to learn that much. If you stay with us, I'll show you how. But you get hope because you start learning how to use God's Word. Now we just, at this point, we're just talking about getting hope. But we want to get a little deeper. We have to discern how we make choices. A lot of people hide their hopelessness, especially in one or more areas of their Christian life. And it affects them. But what I want us to do is take it out of the closet don't hide it. Take it and show it to God. You thought I was going to tell you to show it to your friend. Well, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But show it to God. Maybe you do poorly on a test. You get turned down for a job application. You don't want to tell anybody. You had such high hopes. You fail time after time, pornography. Maybe a wife feels rejected by her husband. There's a lot of hopelessness under there. And you don't know any way of solution, and so you're quite willing just to hide it and push it down. Now, reaching beyond mediocrity, he introduces us to the God of hope, that he might fill you with joy and peace and believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This summarizes it all. Right here. Now may the God of hope. How does he define himself? Hope. Why? Because he can step into any circumstance of any one of our lives and bring that hope. He's able to do that. Notice the result of that. Joy. Peace. By believing. By that faith. To abound in hope. Now, we only can abound in that hope when we start seeing him regularly do that over and over. Now, in 1 Peter 1.13, he says, Therefore, gird your mind for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Three things. Gird your mind for action. Gird means like kind of put on, pull up, get ready. Okay, Many get ready is a good transition. Get ready for action. Get your minds ready. 
sober in spirit, talking about not being drunk, but in your spirit, just being very attentive. The opposite. Sober word, I mean, sober is where you're very attentive to things. And of course, your hope on Jesus when he comes back. Now, I'm going to be focusing a lot in the next couple sessions on this first phrase, gird your minds for action. Why are minds... There's something that's going on in our minds. Now, the world trains us on our physical senses. It wants us to pay attention to what pleases us. Every advertisement, you know, it might be some soap, but, you know, they make it look like that soap solve all your problems in life. <laughs> and, or that house, dream house, whatever it might be. Uh, but it's focused on senses. But God wants us to focus on spiritual training, spiritual advice for spiritual growth. It makes a lot of sense. And hope, step by step, leads us forward. God has a purpose that he's going to have. Now again, let me just read these, this verse for you. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. Repeat after me. You are strong. The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. Right. Now I'm going to touch on each one of this. And I'm going to go back to the issue of what's in our mind and what we believe. Notice John wrote these things. As an elder, he knew the church. He said what? You're strong. Okay. Are you? Okay. Now we can say it. Do you believe you're strong spiritually? Look at your life. By looking at your life, would you say you're strong spiritually? Now, you don't have to answer me, but the point is I want you to think about that. And say, well, yes, here and there, but not so strong here. I tend to criticize a lot. Okay? We do not believe we're strong sometimes, though God has made us strong. And so we feel weak. He says the word of God abides in us. Now that's early on from seed, we know. But that same seed that grows up takes the word of God in. And that's why the word of God makes us strong. But sometimes we're not too confident that the word of God abides in us. We feel helpless. When you feel helpless, you somehow, the word of God, it's like it's not working. You've overcome the evil one. Do you believe that? Sometimes we don't. When we don't overcome the evil one, we are manipulated by the evil one. Thinking that money's going to solve a problem, or that girl, that guy, that education, whatever it might be. No, these are some things that John highlighted for the young person to be strong on. And I, I want us to pay attention because these are the three main areas that you need to train yourself on to be able to withstand the problems that we go on. Now, I'll go and through these a little bit more and identify how this works. But if we are weak, if we feel helpless, if we are manipulated, I want you to realize somewhere down the line, right here, there's a problem of belief. We don't really believe what is true. This is what's true, the points. The problems is what's really true about us. So we can know a truth. We can quote it, you are strong, we just did. But it doesn't make us strong until we believe it. So, I know I'm strong, but I don't feel strong. How do you get from here to over here? Uh, that's why we're talking about choices. There's a battlefield. Now, there is a possible heart problem. Jesus talks about that in Mark 7, 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, and so forth. Where do our problems come from? Some people believe, I became a Christian, but why do I still have these horrible thoughts? I suppose all my Christian friends don't have them. Maybe I'm not a believer. How would you answer that? You see, actually, even believers still have that old nature nearby. 
What changed when you became a believer in Christ is this. Not that the old nature's gone. It is connected to our human body, and that's why Paul says, until I die and get my new body, will I totally be gone with that. But what he's saying is this. Whenever my old nature expresses itself, it's going to work out of this type of heart. Evil thoughts, fornication, and theft. So it's nearby, but it is no longer something I have to follow. When it was your only nature, of course you had to follow it. People in the world, before you were a believer, you had to live by this one heart. Even if a person looks good, if he's nice and religious, if he tries to give, well, but we still know the heart. And this is what Jesus is saying. But we can dig in deeper here because there's something else that's affecting us. And I don't think this is it. This is a problem, and we can kind of get turned back into those things. If I started stealing, maybe because I, didn't, I wanted something, and I just started stealing some money to get some money so I can buy something I wanted, an E3 player or something. Well, see, what we're, I'm doing is no longer obeying God. I'm obeying my old nature and just following Satan. And so he becomes, I'm serving him as a master. But praise God, at any point we can repent and turn back and serve God again. And that's what repentance is, turning back and serving our master, Jesus Christ. Now, I, I think if we're really going to solve this problem, we have to get down to the mind problem. And the mind is because that's the battlefield. That's where the attack is coming in. I'll explain this, because this is very important. The battle is over what we believe. Now, I told you, we, you're strong but we don't believe it. You've overcome the evil one, but no, I don't quite believe that. If I really believed it, then I wouldn't listen to the evil one. I wouldn't listen to the threats. Now, the real problem is here in our minds, because it's in our mind is where Satan is tempting us. We have our old nature, we have our new nature. Say we're obeying the Lord, Everything's nice. All of a sudden, choo—a temptation. Now, I don't know what's that. Maybe lying, so you can look good in someone's face, you know. And oh yeah, I did really well, but you didn't really do well. So you're tempted to lie. Okay, so what's the temptation? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe uh, I should be thinking about how that person looks at me, and therefore I need to say something nice or not true. Uh, it, there's a lot of different types of temptations. But Satan is hooking us. Now think of a temptation as a hook. He drops a hook in, he's waiting for us to bite it, and then he pulls it. You see, that's when we fall into sin. The temptation is never sin. The temptation is the enticement to follow the evil one. He's trying to bring you from serving your master over there. And it is almost always done by stirring up doubt in God's word. It really is. And that's why the mind is the battlefield. Because it's there, we have to start paying attention what I'm thinking. Now, I also want you to understand here. God brings thoughts to encourage us. Hey, you're doing really well. I like how you're following me. Did you see how you were able to love that person when you trusted my word? And, and he'll encourage us, us. But Satan is also there bringing thoughts in. I, I, I suppose, I'm conscious of about seven, eight temptations a day. I don't know if you ever paid attention. Did you ever count them or write them down? It, 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 it's a good assignment. I, I didn't put it, I should add it. Just write down all the temptations you face during the day. Why? Because you will notice Satan will tempt you in the very areas that you usually are prone to fall. And if you start writing down, now temptation is in your mind, usually, most often. Even if, as a guy, I see a girl over there walking, I say, oh, not only am I looking, but he's also sending a thought to my thought, mind. Okay? So he can get control. He wants to hook it. He wants me to get me thinking. That's what, yeah, that's what he wants to do. How am I going to handle it? 
So unless we discern this is what's happening, these thoughts are coming in, Satan is attacking me, we won't have a chance. We really won't. And that's why, in our past, by the way, you need to go through your life and just confess, repent from any sin that you're conscious of and clear that out. And then God will open up your awareness and you'll be very much more aware of how Satan tempts you. Okay, so there's a battlefield there. In fact, just again, remember, yes, we have that old nature, but that doesn't have to control us anymore as a believer. The new nature. The new nature that desires good things. Desires loving one another and worship of God. But Satan's going to say, oh, I, I don't know, maybe you have a choir? Maybe you have musicians that lead you, and maybe something... And someone comes up to us and says, oh, you really played the guitar, I was worshiping God, and it was like heaven. And Satan can just, <laughs> yeah, not too bad. How are you going to deal with that? Did you notice it as a temptation? See, you can turn that right around, and how would you turn it around? Like this, um, this is what I'm trying to learn and, and trying to do. Just notice it and turn it around. You know, I really appreciate how God is using me and his word to build up the people of God. Instead of saying, he wouldn't say this out loud, but he said, yeah, I know pretty good. There's a big difference. You see? But unless you're aware of it, you won't turn it around as a praise statement for what God's really doing. So as we go through this, I want you to pay attention in your own life where you're at. How, how are you doing? Do you see that some hope has leaked out? That you've actually fallen in one or more areas and you're kind of going backwards? Can you right now just say, Lord, renew trans my mind. Transform me by the renewing of my mind. Romans 12. Transform by the renewing of your mind. The renewing is taking this whole new approach to these situations in my mind so I can discern it and I can respond in faith. See, the real key here is that God wants you to succeed. God's Spirit is there to help you be aware. He's there to help you to understand how you need to respond properly. It takes a little training, but once you train, it you can do the same thing with a whole bunch of areas in your life. And it gets pretty exciting uh, because we see how God wants to regularly work in all of our lives. Say, for example, I feel defeated. I feel defeated. I real feel really down. Maybe I don't use this word. Down or defeated or discouraged. One of those D words. What do you do? Pay attention to what you're thinking. Okay. I, I know the women and men are made differently. I understand that. And I know women's feelings are very much a part of how they're thinking. Okay? But still, pay attention to any words that are going over and over in your mind. Write them down. Honestly, do that. What happens when you're down, defeated, discouraged. Satan wants to keep you there. You have to notice by what doubts is he keeping God's word away from you. Understand that? He's using some thoughts, some temptation, and he'll bring them in as often as he has to keep you down. So he's bringing them in. So And often they're repetitious. So you, I'll never, I'll never be able to do that. And you keep saying it to yourself, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be as good as him. I'll never be as good as him. You know, these statements that again and again, they go over in your mind. I want you to see that what they are is a temptation that you have been hooked on. They don't need to be there. See, once you realize that, it's that thought process is keeping the word of God out of your mouth. In the fourth session, we'll go over four, yeah, 
I think so. Spiritual warfare. And I'll, I'll show you how that works a little more. There. But right now, I want to say the three choices, okay? A significant choice. Now, I define significant. All of life is made up of three significant choices. Significant choice are those choices that God is concerned about. I'm, I'm presenting it this way because I want to get out of all the ins and outs of what is God's will and all that, okay? Three significant choices. For example, if I... Ah, there are a lot of these booklets back there. Right? And does it matter to God which one I take? And probably not, I don't think so. Okay. Or what chair you sit in, does it really matter? But what if in your mind you saw one book left you saw someone else coming and <laughs> grab it? Or you say, well, I want to sit next to that person. I know, and you're a little jealous and you want to sit in that chair. You know, all of a sudden, picking that, taking that book, picking that color, uh, I want that toy, a little kid saying it. You know, it becomes a significant choice because it does matter to God. Not because he's really cared about the color of your toothpaste or uh, what jeepney you ride on. He doesn't care about that. Unless there's something else involved by which it's motivating you to do something wrong. Well, this first choice is the path of righteousness. It's where we live in faith and responding to God's word. This is what he wants for our lives. Consistently just to live in that path of righteousness. Job 17.9 Nevertheless, the righteous shall hold to his way, and he who has clean hands shall grow stronger and stronger. A wonderful way of saying it, isn't it? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. Psalm 1, 6. One more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 111, verse 10. You see, a good understanding have all of those who do His commandments. They live in the fear of God. They choose his way. How did Job get to be that person? How did Daniel or Noah get to be those righteous men? You know, I, it's, it's always that path, though. But at a certain point, it becomes more and more consistent, a path of righteousness. And I want all of us, God wants all of us, to walk on that path. Really. And you can do it by His grace, for His glory. That path of righteousness, God, helps us to walk on His path so that we can serve others. Now, that's one choice, that confidence in God. You see that here. That's good. Now I'm going to show you two bad choices. And I'm saying all significant choices are going to fall in one of these three categories. Okay? Now, I'm trying to help you to discern and understand three ways the second one is misplaced confidence. Misplaced confidence. The third one is lack of confidence. They all have to do with faith. Faith and confidence is another word. Believing, trusting. They're all very similar. And it has to do with how we believe things. So, number one is believing in God. And when I believe in God, I do what He wants. But if I don't believe, I have some doubt whether it's best, ah, I'm going to do something else. Usually what happens is this, misplaced confidence. Yeah, um, that's what happens. Now let me divide it up a little bit differently here, okay? So we have a God-focused confidence, and we have a misplaced confidence. They're on different sides. God-focused, of course, your faith is in God. But misplaced confidence, your faith is in your own resources. I'll do it my way. Such as getting back at somebody, taking revenge. That's our resources. Trying to pay justice back our way. Now God says, I am the revenger. Don't you ever do that. I'll take care of that. You just love people. Okay. But 
The point is sometimes we do try to get back at people. Are, are you bitter with anybody? Everybody's trying to stay still, don't say anything. <laughs> I, I know because sometimes the bitterness goes back, back to our parents, people who have hurt us, people's friends that were friends. Yeah. But you see, the bitterness and taking revenge and unforgiving spirit are all parts of trying to get back at people, not God's way. But if you believe God, what would you do in that case? You forgive. No doubt about it. Why? But you don't you don't forgive. Now you, you heard that you should forgive one another, right? You all know that. So why don't you forgive? Ah, because you don't believe forgiving is the best. You believe your way is better. Hmm. You're plotting. At night, you're thinking, how am I going to get him? What am I going to say to her to get her? You see how it works? This is our own resources. And it is in opposition to God. God doesn't want you to do that. Let me just suggest that every sin is like this. There's an opposing way. Now, this is misplaced focus. It's focused not on God and His way, believing it's best, focused on something we do, thinking it's best. Where basically, if you really want to open up the package and look at it, you're basically telling God, I don't care if you told me to forgive one another. I don't believe that is the best thing. I can get back at that person better than you can. I'm going to do it in my way. Now, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but not really, am I? That's really how we feel when you let bitterness and anger to come up inside like that. God wants to free us from all that. But first of all, you say, okay, separate it, separate it. God's way is different. Okay, God's way is different. Now let's look at all three categories. God-focused confidence, misplaced confidence, lack of confidence. Did you notice the difference? Okay, draw a line between these two. What's common about those two? They do have belief. They do have confidence. Either I believe in God or I believe in myself or my religion or whatever it is. But I have confidence. But the other side, no confidence. I'm telling you this because this is going to give you secrets on a quiz coming up. <laughs> you want to get A? Okay, you follow this, all right? Because I'm giving you some secrets of how to discern and how to look at situations. Basically, I'm suggesting this, that all the problems we have in life are going to either fit into the misplaced confidence or the lack of confidence. One of those two categories. And God wants us to live in a God-focused confidence. I'll describe it more. We'll do some work together here in a moment so you better understand that. It will look very complicated, but I think you'll get the hang of it. I remember sometimes doing this up in the mountains up in uh, Myanmar, you know, in uh, distant villages in Africa. Ah, even with not much education, they catch on. Does they possess hope? The lack of hope. Just remember though, some people they go back and forth. And maybe you're like this. Maybe all of us are like this at certain times. I, I'm, maybe I, I got a job. I, I, I got, and that's I'm putting my confidence in the riches, my job, my security. God told us not to, but I, I do. You know, I, I'm really happy with my job and everything's going well. Uh, or my brother was saying, you know, everybody's sugar cane feels doing well. You know. But then all of a sudden, the market bottoms out. I lose my job. A lack of confidence. What am I going to do now? I give up. 
I'll never be able to find another job. I'll never, I don't know what I'll do in my life. You see, you see what's happened? But nobody, nobody likes to live in a sphere of hopelessness. And just like that lady that went around to doctor after doctor trying to find hope. So we also, when we have hopelessness, we're looking for a solution. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but the point is, I'm, I'm just giving as an illustration, we want to get out of there. Because we don't like it when we don't have control. We don't like it when we have no hope. And we just sink down lower, lower. Some of you are going down like this. Don't go to sleep yet. Um, but you get back up. Just that bounce. Just be aware of it, okay? Because sometimes, but then maybe I hear about another job, and I say, oh yeah. All of a sudden I get full of excitement and hope. But you see, we're putting our hope, not in God, who is steadfast, the God of hope, we're putting our hope in a job. Then go beyond that. So here's, I believe, two hints, if I write them around. Does this characteristic or quality depict hope? Right? That's what I was trying to show you. Two of them do, one of them does not. We're going to, I'm going to give you, by the way, the answer's on your sheet. You have to take your book. <laughs> Don't look at the answers. I know they're there. I spotted them for you. Okay, take your book and fold it this way. So you have the empty blocks in front of it. But if you feel insecure at one point in your future, not right now, you can look at the answers later and turn around. But what I'm going to do, uh, and we could just work on a few together here, and try to figure out which category all these things at the bottom go in. Okay? So if you follow these two suggestions, you'll probably do fairly well. Uh, number two, is the person's hope in God or somewhere else? Okay. So let's just do a couple of them. I think I started with one called self-ambition, right? Self-ambitious. Self-ambitious is what? Is hmm? misplaced confidence. Yeah, why well, I already have it there. Okay. Good. That one's easy. But but why is it there? Okay, does he have hope? Yeah, I mean, usually the person who is self-ambitious has a lot of you know hope. Yeah. I can do it. But is it on God? Number two. Yeah. No, it's himself. Right. Okay. Uh, so we'll put that over there. Uh, by the way, I'm not. Uh, there is a form of self ambition that you could say would be element of God focused confidence, but you have to redefine it carefully if you're going to. Self ambition really defines it as self. Um, I'm serving myself rather than God. So to be ambitious to serve God and others is, is good. All right, so let me give you a couple. How about doubtful? Lack of confidence. Okay, good, good, good. Mm, faithful. Godless. Excellent. Worrisome. Lack of confidence. Good. Depressed. Which one? Well, I think I'm hearing two things. Okay, so a person who's discouraged, do they have hope? No, okay, so we've got to put it in lack of confidence. Okay? Depression, some people don't know what depression is, but it's, it's a more, more recent word that's developed. Very common now, but it's, um, it's still a recent word. But it's more a, a fuller development of discouragement. How about bitter? Misplaced confidence, okay? Peaceful? Hey, revengeful, misplaced. I think he already, Pastor already went over all these with you. I think that they're, they're doing too well here. Uh, how about a liar? Misplaced, yeah. He has confidence that by his line he can get what he wants. How about anger? Misplaced. I, 
an angry person believes by manipulating his emotions, he can control people. He does. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Very good. But the reason to do this, um, I don't know if full time because some are a little shorter than usual. But I, I would suggest that uh, the reason I go you through this is so that you can begin to focus on what um, area that the problem is. Because if you're the lack of confidence, what is your first need? Hope. No doubt about it. What are misplaced confidence? What's your first need? Conviction. <laughs> because misplaced focus means you're doing okay. You have to be broken. So if I'm prideful, that's misplaced confidence. So I have to somehow look for God to break into me before I can change. But if I see someone, maybe in my small group, who's really discouraged about something, oh. So it helps you know how to pray for others, minister to yourself. Maybe you're going through the same thing. Maybe if you have anger, what would you say about yourself if you had anger? Okay, I have misplaced confidence. What does it mean? That means, I don't know, what does it mean? What does it mean? It means that I believe it's better to get angry, mad, yell, even hurt people instead of being patient and kind. Yeah. When you contrast it, by the way, the contrast is just the opposite. So if you pick out anger and put it in the middle, that's going to be peaceful or kind. You believe the anger is better. And now you can say, oh, I don't really believe anger is better. Yes, you do. Otherwise, you would be angry. Somewhere down the line, you were convinced, you swallowed Satan's temptation, and you believe your anger was better. That's where we have to be unhonest. You see, this is where we're talking about Going back, you have overcome, you are strong, but it's that belief. It's the battlefield up here. Some you don't really believe. Because if you believe, you would walk in God's way. You don't believe it's best. Okay. I, I'm, I'm trying to help us to see this because it's only by spotting. You already have all the answers. It's so by spotting these problems is how we get back and spot our doubts that we need to deal with. Now, one of the things uh, I have in the book, but I, I don't have too much time here to go on, but I just briefly mention it. One thing we want to do as much as we can, if you're struggling with some area, you want to understand it, write a faith definition. So, for example, what if insecurity is my problem? It's in the lack of confidence. Insecurity, insecure individuals lack the ability to trust in God's constant love for them. You need to, in a faith definition, you need to put the word trust or doubt or confidence or believe in. Okay, right in the definition, it forces you to make, forces you to. Clearly think about what the problem is. Why does insecure people come about? They don't trust in God's love. If they really knew about God's love, would they ever be insecure? No. Not at all. So why does a wife nag her husband? You know, like a dripping... Why? Insecurity. Probably. There's insecurity. Why is he insecure? You want to be loved. You, you want the house to be okay. You, you want his attention to him to prove he loves you. Now, by the way, the husbands don't understand that. I know the wives feel that way. The husbands, it doesn't communicate, doesn't communicate. And that's why the scripture says, don't do it, don't do it, it doesn't work. But if you could go back and say, Lord, I want your love to shine in me such a way I can really know your love. 
What if my loving husband loves me or not? That's okay. I just want to be there for him. You're, you're, you're changing the way around the way you handle things. Nagging would be what misplaced confidence. Trying to get it down. And maybe your husband hits you for saying it the twentieth time. You're down over lack of confidence. I don't know what I can do now. But after another week, you forget, and you're nagging again. You know, it goes back and forth. Okay, uh, another faith definition. God-focused confidence. I'm faithful. I'm a faithful person. Faithful individuals believe that God will watch over their needs if they carry out their own responsibilities. You have to work on these definitions. I do have a whole bunch of them that people have formed. Uh, so, I mean, you can make up your own list and share them with each other. It's, it's fun to actually work over them. At least I think it's fun. Some people probably say, that is not fun. Um, but they believe what? I can be faithful and regular and consistent in what I do and how I treat others. Because I know God will provide all I need to help them. My faithfulness and my commitment to faithfulness depends on how much I believe that God is faithful to me. And the last one, uh, self-ambitious individuals believe accomplishing their great plans gives them the best life possible. That's what they believe. So they work hard. Work so hard, they'll say, who's my, who did I marry? <laughs> How many kids did I have? Uh, Self-ambitious. <clears throat> Try to understand how faith, belief, confidence actually influences the area that you have. So that if I would take about this issue of insecurity, we already defined it, right? Lack of the ability to trust in God's constant love. Okay, so if a person is insecure, they feel unloved, they're going to look for confirmation of love. Not from God, but from others. What if you're a small group leader and you are insecure? And at that first stage of discipleship, you didn't grow rightly. So you're a little distorted. You walk around maybe like this. But really, what that means is you really need more of God's love and assurance. You want people to say how good you are. How important is that to you? You need people to say how good you are. And if people don't, then you know, you cause trouble inside you. And you're thinking of either impressing people or saying things in such a way that you impress them. It, it will hurt. It will hurt. And this is why it distorts your service. If the character is not correct, your service is distorted. Insecure about God's constant love for you will cause you to seek it from you. Now, let me just ask a question. I, I know you know this answer. Is God's love constant for you? Something to answer over there. Yeah? Okay, she's smiling. Okay, I think she agrees. <laughs> yes! But sometimes we don't really believe it, do we? Yeah. That's, that's amazing we don't really believe He loves us when He really has. So much. So here's a danger about just a lot of petting, which is you know touching private places, you know, before marriage and things. Buying things, I need to buy things to make me look nice. I remember I was on the plane next to someone. I don't think the plane ride was too long. It was like 40 minutes long. But five times she took out her power kit. I asked them, who is she seeing? Um, how can she change so quickly that she has to do it again? But you know, there's, there's, there's something there. Trying to get compliments. It causes distortion. Instead of focusing on needs of others, you're focused on how people are going to respond to you. Do you see the danger? Big problem. Self-ambition. Success is everything. So, the motivation, you do everything to get success and you take shortcuts. Shortcuts means you don't do it the right way. Improper means you 
You should steal something, deceive people, something like that. You're willing to, because success means more. And this can also be out of insecurity. You need to look good in other people's eyes so you feel good about yourself. But what if you could just say, you're God's child, that's enough. That's more than enough for you. You can still work hard. You can still, you know, try to use the gifts that God's given you. That's fine. Be a great businessman for the Lord. No problem. Just do it for the Lord. Don't take the shortcuts. Workaholic, lying, backbiting, wrong priorities, all part of those distortions. I just give a couple examples here, by the way. I'm just trying to help you understand three choices. You remember up there? Number one? Number one significant choice? God, focus, confidence. Number two, misplaced confidence. Number three, lack of confidence. I'm just trying to show you how it works together. Let me identify some of the principles here in this session. Trusting God's way and design it is always superior. Always. And so, no matter what problem I have, I can always go back and say, let me do the opposite. Opposite of lust, I'm going to love. So instead of lusting, I'm going to love. I'm going to do a reverse there. And once I get out of a hole, I can start training my mind when Satan tempts me to right away change it. So the lust comes in. Thank you for beautiful women, Lord. I praise you for my wife. You arrange a nice husband for that girl. See what I just did? That just turned into a prayer. So if I'm angry with somebody, how are you going to turn it into a prayer? God's way is best. Oh, being kind. Well, Lord, you know, I'm starting to get real upset with my spouse. But you know, God, your way is better. I don't know how, but I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to be kind. I'm going to be quiet. Just let it go. I'm just going to take a little walk, five-minute walk here. I'll be back. <laughs> You see, but you're changing the way you respond. And, and you're alert that Satan's getting at you. Man, get me. Get upset. You can do it. No. You just said, no, I can't do it better than God. God's way is always superior. God enables a believer to have a vibrant hope when he focuses faith on God and his work through Christ. I have not done so much focusing on faith definitions for God. When you do, it's just amazing. What is a joyful person? A joyful person is one what, who believes that God has totally made his life and designed it in such a wonderful way that he can fully give thanks to God for whatever he's experiencing. Is that great? I just made that up, by the way. I, I don't know if it's true, but but you can make up your own definitions. But you see, when we start focusing where we want to be and compare it to the joyful or that critical person, why would I ever think that's better? Significant decisions are those that make a difference in our life, in our relationship with God and others. I haven't talked too much about relationships, but this has a lot to do with how we relate to others. If you're focused on your feeling and how people are looking at you, realize there's something wrong here. Something wrong. Our sin nature causes us to seek other ways to meet what we perceive to be our needs. Yeah, that's when we've already fallen to sin and we're living by those flesh that uh, Jesus referred to. False confidence misplaced confidence, idols, all the same thing. And the lack of confidence always cause emotional, physical, relational, and spiritual problems. And that's why when you see the problem, 
You can trace it back and have a heart problem, belief problem. Solutions are found by spotting how we have not rightly trusted the Lord to place our full trust in the Lord. See where we've come so far? We've come actually a long ways. We have uh, four sessions, but we've only done two. We've got two more, and we'll have all the, I think we need to get that foundation. Then we can work on some individual things just for working it through. So here's a few points of life application. When you feel defeated, know what specific word or phrases come to your mind. Remember, I, I was thinking about that assignment. Write down all the thoughts. I have you been aware of these words of evil one and his assistance plant into your mind? Whether you've overcome or not, write these words down. Begin to train yourself. Do you notice any patterns? Explain. Fill out making good matches exercise. Do it on your own, okay? Fill it in, then you can cheat. Okay. No, it's not cheating because I said you can do it. Okay, you can look at the answers afterwards, okay? Do it. And if you have a problem with any of them, Bring it to me tomorrow, and uh, we'll work that through. Discovering our choices. Uh, that's God's way of opening up our uh, understanding. See, three, only three significant choices. So life is not so complicated anymore. It's reduced much more simply. And now we're learning how to deal with each one. And especially what we really want to do is how to turn from a lack of confidence to God-focused confidence. And how to turn from misplaced focus to God-focused confidence. And that's all it is. The path of righteousness. Consistently doing this. Consistently identifying those thoughts, turning them around, and living for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you are there as our mentor, watching over each one of our lives and placing before us that path of righteousness. Oh, that you would make each one of us a godly man and godly woman where we are bearing fruit. Lord, where we are not self-focused, but other-focused. We're not living for our glory, but we're living for your glory. Lord, we have a lot of issues we need to work through, clarify. Continue to give discernment. And forgive us, Lord, where we have been prideful, selfish, lusting, lying, worried, etc. Forgive us through the blood of Christ. Refresh us with where you're bringing us. Hold our hands so that we will go where you want us to go. And especially shape our faith that we can believe what is best wonderful. Your way is always superior. Thank you, Father, for ministering to us through forgiveness, for instruction, and righteousness for your word. And in Christ we pray. Amen. This concludes a message on Discovering Our Choices by Paul Bucknell, part of our Reaching Beyond Mediocrity series, Section 2. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net Releasing God's Truth to a New Generation